ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Wednesday with some interesting markets once again. We're going to talk about the differentiation between the corn and what we're seeing in the wheat complex. We know that everything continues to heat up between Ukraine and Russia and what side of outside influences. And then, of course, I'm seeing a lot of talk about the State of the Union address last night and not really talking a lot about agriculture, which is not something we're used to. We'll talk about what's happening, obviously, from the political scene, but more importantly, what we're seeing on both the the boards for the grain and the livestock today. And Brian Doherty joins us. He is with Total Farm Marketing. And all right, Brian, what's going on? Corn is down, but wheat's limit up today. Yeah, so there are days where it's just hard to explain things. But when you look at the way the wheat market has been accelerating on the charts, it's got a major, major, major concern with um, the, the war, obviously, uh, you've got wheat in the ground there, but um, shipments are halted. How do you move stuff? That's a big area of the world to, to send wheat through channels. So expectations are that um, either it's you know going to be backlogged or U.S. will pick up additional export activity. So you've got just screeching high old crop wheat prices, but you've also got traders really hammering this market on the bull spreads, buying the old crop, selling new crop. As an example, May Chicago wheat lock limit higher at 10.59, 75 cents higher, and you got December wheat down 40 at 8.92. So lots of volatility, um, you know, as as the buyers have their orders to fill. Sometimes you're going to find once the orders are filled, almost despite what the board does, you may see cash prices wind really, really back out. So my encouragement would be, uh, you know, if you're a wheat producer to really be in contact with your elevator or end, end buyer to see, you know, what they're offering and what they think might be coming as well. Well, c- considering everything that we're seeing that have continued to happen in Ukraine and Russia, I mean, that's the breadbasket for this wheat market. So that's got to be adding just extra pressure to the U.S. wheat complex. Yeah, it's, well, there's lots of moving parts here, but yeah, you've got Russia, the world's leading exporter of wheat. Ukraine's the third leading exporter. Uh, you know, just a real agricultural strength or stronghold area in that part of the world um, in a war right now. And not just like one country. I mean, they're right next to each other. <laughs> so you've, you've got that. Um, look at the drought monitor map in the U.S. and Panhandle and those regions. I talked to a customer today he's in the Texas Panhandle. He said he drove to Oklahoma City. I think he said roughly three, uh, well, let's, let's go three hours, but I think he said 300 miles. And he said, I never saw a good wheat field along the way. Um, that's indicative of this continuous dry weather pattern that just has hampered, uh, you know, major wheat producing areas here in the United States. So we've got that as well. And then you've got just other markets that are really blowing up. Now, today, corn and beans blew up and then kind of reversed down. But still, the overall net is just sharply higher soybeans in recent, uh, you know, let's say weeks, as in the last six weeks in particular, eight weeks, uh, same thing in corn. So you've got just a lot, a lot of uh, activity out there that is um, really becoming, you know, more paramount. At the same time, you know, during the last several weeks, you know, other things that could act as an anchor. You've got the U.S. dollar today hitting its highest price for 
for, um, you got to go back to, you know, July of last year. So what's that? 18, 19 months. Um, just a lot of volatility, a lot of moving parts, a lot of activity, a lot of movement of dollars in and out of equities and into commodities and out of commodities. So, so you know, you talked about this weather, and obviously you're seeing and hearing from folks as, as they drive. Does that cause some concerns? I mean, not only for the wheat that we're seeing right now in this winter wheat crop, but looking at corn and soybeans as we head into spring planting in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me let me let me talk about Ukraine first. Okay, planting there. Yes, uh, it, it starts a little bit sooner than usually here in the U.S. It's, it's, I'm going to guess at this, but it's more of a climate I would call like central United States, where you'll see corn planted in in April, and um, and my understanding, southern Ukraine, they'll start planting a lot of small seeds and corn in the southern regions in late March, early April. So you're only talking weeks away. Um, so that adds another heightened area of concern, I think, in the in the corn and soybean and wheat markets. Um, uh, they're also soybean producers. They're the number one uh, seller of soy flour or soybean or sunflower oil into the world vegetable market, the uh, vegetable oil market. Um, and then you circle back here to the U.S. and you kind of get the haves and have-nots right now with the weather. The drought monitor map just looks really mean. <laughs> That's my term. It just looks mean. Now, the good news is it's the third uh, well, February, uh, March 2nd, I was going to say the start of the third month of the year. We really worry about it in the 5th and more so the 6th and then even more so the 7th month. So you don't want to draw too many conclusions yet, but this pattern has been the same for almost multiple years now. My point where I'm driving with this is that it, it, there are many producers who, again, will be kind of on a hope and a prayer for timely rains because it sure is not on deep subsoil replenishment not at this point right and you know we were talking about monday and, and since you talked about ukraine we're gonna have to maybe hit on this on the second half but a lot of guys wondering if they're even going to get the crop in the ground because of the fighting that continues in in the heat of the emotion you're hearing all type type of things but you're hearing such things as farmers giving up their fuel to help the the, I'm going to say the people. I don't know if it's the army or the, whomever to to fuel tanks and to fuel equipment to fight uh, Russia. Stick around, folks. We do have more coming up as the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell is just around the corner on the Rural Radio Network. Here is another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids featuring another dealer for our network. We're going to visit with Terry Kachera from Bassett, Nebraska. And Terry, tell us a little bit about your dealership and working for Fontenelle. Well, Joe, I've been a dealer for Fontenelle since 1972. During my career as a seed dealer and farmer in Nebraska, I've seen a lot of change. As genetics and technology progress through the years and decades, Fontenelle has always been as progressive as any seed company that I've ever been around. Terry, any advice that you've learned through all these years of dealing with Fontenelle? I've always said uh, in farming, you're always going to make mistakes. You know, in most mistakes, you just can't help. You know, it's the weather or machine breakdown or pivot blows over or something like that. Uh, hybrid selection really isn't one that you should have to worry about. And Fontenelle always stands well, always yields well, and is fairly priced. That's Terry Kuchera from Bassett, Nebraska. To learn more about products or to become a dealer, just go to Fontenelle.com. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation with Brian Doherty. He's with Total Farm Marketing. And, you know, we kind of left off on a, on a kind of somber note, but at the same time, there's got to be some, some country pride, too, as, as farmers are stepping up to help the, the soldiers in Ukraine. Long term, what type of effects are we going to see this on our markets? Well, um, the, the world has continued to grow. It depends on multiple avenues of supply. And so one theory is, and I, I actually had this theory many, many years ago, that as the world middle class begins to grow or people are getting used to food and cities grow, um, you know, visually, this was this goes back 20 years already, the world was adding a city the size of San Francisco every three days. So you think about that, um, and you think about a growing middle class, there's sort of a increased or autonomous level of food demand. So, you know, food is security, and when you have multiple avenues of increased production in the United States through yield, not so much acres, but Canada, you know, it's just the whole world, particularly the southern hemisphere and areas like Ukraine that have really blossomed, the world has these different avenues. And so as long as there's enough, you see what happened between 2012 and the last drought until basically 2021, where you have this long, prolonged period or this trough of low prices where, the, you know, the good production elsewhere. But as soon as you kind of struggle somewhere, and especially if you put two of them together, you can see how the markets really start to, you know, move to new levels. And that's really where we're at. So you had a smaller crop in 19 in the U.S. Um, because of the wet late spring. 20, the crop tailed off at the end because of drought. Uh, you had drought Brazil this year. Now you've got this war. What could it mean? It could mean that, that you don't have a reliable supply of corn and other things things like sunflower oil, uh, small grains coming out of Ukraine for the year ahead. And that has to put premium price on top of the drought in Brazil and on top of our dry weather, you know, maps that we see here that have potential to really, at least perceptively, lead one to believe that supply numbers could get really, really tight, and the market is focusing on that, and that's why you're seeing such strength in the front months that's beginning to ration inventory, in particular wheat, uh, recently more so in beans, but not as much as wheat here this past week, and then the corn market just moving higher. I wouldn't be surprised if December corn maybe made it to 650 just on worries of smaller crop or, or little crop out of Ukraine. We had the State of the Union last night, and there wasn't much mention of agriculture, especially when it came to biofuels and ethanol. Uh, what's your thoughts, and did the market kind of react or just blow it off and, and move on to tighter margins? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's another element here, this <laughs> push toward biofuels and development of, of energy products through plant For the moment, there's a few bigger fish to fry that kind of grab the attention. But that's another one of these elements here. Um, and boy, you talk about you know energy supplies. If you cut off energy supplies from elsewhere, uh, where's it, where's it come from? So obviously, there's this surge in soybean oil, Malaysian palm oil, record high prices in those commodities this week. Um, all reflective of 
tightening inventory, multiple uses between energy and food and fuel or energy fuel. Um, It's just, it's amazing how we kind of go from more than enough inventory two years ago worldwide to really almost dangerously or precariously or scary small if, if the weather doesn't cooperate. Switch over to the livestock side here for a minute. Uh, higher prices that we talked about in the first half of the of, with the grains. How do you see that adding even more pressure to the cattle prices that we've seen as of late? Well, I, I think ultimately in the end, you know, you, you go out west and you start with the drought that's been persistent over there, and the cow calf operator. I mean, it just it's your 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 herd numbers are going to be on the decline, and and even the dairy industry. And when we talk to dairy producers, one of their biggest issues is is labor. I'm sure they'd like to expand, but labor. Now you got high feed costs, high labor costs, uh, lack of labor. Um, the cattle market's been on the defense of the last four weeks. I, I think more so we saw the cutout values come down. The cattle on feed numbers are again confirmed that this has been an excellent year for weight gain and feedlots. It's been a very mild winter. Um, so you've got a little bit more weight and in inventory here. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian? A phone call is always appreciated, and our number is 800-334-9779. Um, or you can shoot me an email at brian at totalfarmmarketing.com. Well, thanks so much, Brian. As always, I want to remind folks that commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss that aren't suitable to all investors. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.